and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Last week in Soul Talk, Rabbi, we discussed the fact that life has challenges. Everybody listening knows that. And we go through challenging times. And what would be perspectives and approaches we could take when, like I myself, if I'm going through a challenging time, what's a perspective I can help have that helps me grow through the challenge instead of being crushed through the challenge? And you gave us some fantastic insights. Um, this week I was thinking... There's also the side that life is challenging, and oftentimes we're faced with people in our lives, loved ones, people who are friends of ours, uh, community members, other people are going through challenging times, painful times, tragic times. And I, I was thinking about the fact that there's sometimes the approach we have to take to be there for somebody else can be very different than the approach I take in terms of how do I handle my challenging times. So again, as a rabbi, I'm sure you are constantly dealing with people coming to you with challenging times or going through challenging times with other people. What are perspectives, approaches we can take when someone in our lives is going through a hard time, we really want to be there for them? How can we help them through it? Excellent question. Uh, it, it brings to mind the story of Job, a man who went through exceptionally terrible, painful events in his life, and his friends come to help him. And uh, some of his friends offer answers, which are not accepted, but are actually, from a Torah perspective, true what they said. And yet it was not accepted. And the question is why? Because it's not, a, it's not about telling somebody the truth about what's going on in their life. It's about helping them um, and validating their pain. And so, you know, so if somebody's going through something and you say, well, it's all for the good. Well, that's true. According to Judaism, Everything eventually we will see with 2020 hindsight, it was all good. But that's not something you say to a person when they're in pain. When a person's in pain, they're actually not really looking for solutions from somebody else, probably. But I'm not even sure they're looking for solutions right now. I think they first and foremost need validation that their pain is legitimate. And... Um, I think it was Carl Jung who said that neurosis is a substitute for legitimate suffering. A person becomes mentally unhealthy because they are suffering and they think their suffering is not legitimate. And, um, and that only complicates things more. When a person's grieving, you should allow them to grieve and not try, you know, like when, when, let's say your child comes in and he scraped his knee and he's crying. So you say, oh, oh don't cry. What do you mean don't cry? He's, he's feeling pain. Oh, that's nothing. It'll be okay. Well, well he doesn't feel it's nothing. What, what, you know, what he really wants to hear you say is, oi, 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 wow, oi, that hurts. Oi, vey, let me kiss it. Something like that. But he, the, the first and foremost, a person wants to feel that you're with them in, your, in, in their pain and are not jumping to offer solutions. And not that there aren't solutions, but everything is about timing. And when a person is grieving, whatever the grievance is about, uh, what, what makes it a good grief is to allow yourself to grieve, to cry, to share, and, uh, and a person shouldn't in any way try and minimize it. 
as well as I think it's a mistake to say to a person, I know how you feel. I don't think anybody knows how anybody feels. How could you know how I feel? You know, uh, let's say you're speaking to a friend who's who, whose uh, fiance just uh, broke off the engagement. And let's say you went through that too. And you say to them, I know how you feel. I also had a broken engagement. You, you don't know how I feel because first of all, you're not me. And your fiance is not my fiance. And the nature of our relationship is not anywhere like the relation of your relationship. You know, you don't say to a person, I know how you feel because you don't know how I feel. But you can ask them, you know, just, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, in, in Hebrew we say, ozin. I am totally an ear. I'm just here to listen and compassionately listen. And um, I think that's the first and foremost to allow people to grieve and not offer them solutions, at least not right away. And certainly not unless they, and until they, uh, if they actually even invite that solution. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because I know in previous conversation, we, we spoke about the difference between pain and suffering. And it sounds like here too, is that a person um, going through a really hard time, that the suffering comes when they may be doubting the legitimacy of their pain or if someone else, if I come to you and say, this isn't such a big deal, why are you so upset? That creates suffering because now I was in pain and now it's being made worse by the lack of legitimacy, or maybe I'm thinking that I shouldn't be feeling the way I feel, and then that creates suffering. Whereas here, it sounds like, but I can help someone through their pain and not let it lead to suffering by making legitimizing the pain that they're going through, acknowledging it, recognizing it, and that can hopefully actually help the person work themselves through it and not have it escalate to suffering. Right. You know, if somebody says to you, you know, I'm so broken, I feel like crying, so I would say, why feel like crying? Cry, let, let it go, go ahead, let it go. You know, I was once, um, not once in my life, but in a particular situation, I was going through something hard and I shared with a friend what I was going through. And he said to me, oh, these kind of things just roll off my back. <laughs> I thought like, wow, that was such a lack of compassion. I mean, so, so I, I felt so, invalidated in what I was feeling, you know, rather than saying, wow, it's that, 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 that hurts. He said, those things don't bother me. Well, okay. They don't bother you. They do bother me. So I'm not going to bother to talk to you again about these things. And uh, it was just a lack of sensitivity. And, and um, so, you know, going back to this idea of going from pain to suffering, the first thing is that, that it, it, it does turn into suffering when you don't, acknowledge that you're in pain you're in pain now you know people say i've heard people say i feel so bad complaining there are people having heart attacks right now and i'm 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 complaining and i'm saddened over this i say to them listen if right now you know a a you had a paper cut in your finger that hurts right so, yeah, you're right. It's not a heart attack, but it hurts. <laughs> There's nothing to say. It's like to start comparing pain to pain. And why should I feel in pain when other people have it even worse? Yeah, they do have it worse, and, but you're still in pain. And you, 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 you can't just say, well, I'm not having a heart attack. Your finger hurts. It just hurts. And it takes time. 
You know, it's like, I believe that just as much as our bodies can be bruised, our hearts can be bruised. And I've been bruised uh, uh, in, in many times in my life. And, and, and to say, well, I shouldn't let this get me down, but it hurts. And, 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 and just like a bruise takes time to get over, certain, you know, broken hearts take time to get over. And people have to give themselves, you know, cut themselves that slack and be really self-compassionate and, and, and understanding that I'm allowed to feel sad over what happened and, and I'm allowed to feel hurt. And, and, and that's okay. And, it, and, and even, even if I forgive the person, even if the person comes and asks forgiveness genuinely and I forgive them, it still hurts. And it'll take some time to get over the hurt. And a person shouldn't ask themselves to be Superman. Yeah, that's so true. Now, you know, different people need different things in different types of situations where they're struggling. Um, and sometimes I think that we often will be there for someone else the way we would want someone to be there for us. So if I would want someone to be there for me, um, let's say what I need is just sit with me for a really long time and just hear me out again, no solutions where someone else, maybe they want a solution and they're very solution oriented. That's just typically like the guy who thinks just roll off his back. Just, I don't want to simmer in this. What I need is someone to give me some direction because I can't think clearly right now. The challenge is I think we often are there for other people in the way we want someone to be there for us. And how can we then attune ourselves to recognize that what someone else might need during their time? Like one person, they, they're, you know, making calling the person every day to check in another person they'd find that uh intrusive irritating so they would do it less but this other person needs it more like how can we read someone's signs to know what they might need if it's different than the way i maybe would need someone to be there for me well maybe we don't have to read signs maybe we can just ask them mm. no i want to be here for you but please tell me how how that is best suited for you like do you want space? Do you just do you want just my company in silence? Do you do you, do you want to do you want to explore ways of moving through this, or you know you're not ready for that? Whatever you know, I'm just here for you. And uh, you know, I I I shared quite a while ago that um, <clears throat> I met a fellow who who tragically was in a car accident and was paralyzed and. He had to be fed. He was not able to feed himself. He couldn't eat on his own. And people would, would feed him. <clears throat> and um, he told me something really quite amazing. He said, you know, when people feed me, uh, they give me from the plate what they like. Mm -hmm. And they're very unconscious of it. And so if they don't like cooked vegetables, they won't give it to me. And then I'll say to them, excuse me, could I have some cooked vegetables? And they'll give me, you know, a forkful or a spoonful, but <clears throat> they won't go back to it. And it's just so interesting how people, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, doesn't mean give your neighbor what you like, but give your neighbor what he likes. You would like to get what you like and he would like and she would like to get what she likes. And so uh, you're right. It's a very important point. We all. We all cope with and we all experience pain and disappointment and challenge in different ways. And for somebody to be there for you, um, 
they need to know what works for you. Mm-hmm. And you, I think you can just ask them, you know, what works for you? I, I, I just want to be here for you. And maybe being here for you is getting out of your way and giving you some quiet time, whatever, whatever it is, just, I, I just, I just want to be, uh, help you in any way I can. That story you just shared is very powerful because it really reminds us um, that we have to consciously remember the fact that we will typically give to someone else the way we'd want to be given to. And that's what we'll do as almost like, a, you know, go on autopilot unless we consciously think if I want to give to this person. And that's I love when it's so simple what you're saying. It's simple advice, but it's the best way to go about it is ask the person what they need or what they prefer or what they like, because then you're really accomplishing letting the person know you want to be there for them. But then you're making sure you're actually giving it to them. They want I feel like it's almost like a gift. There's times we say we're giving someone a gift, but we're giving ourselves a gift because like I feel like the classic is the wife wants the husband to get a new tie. He's not interested. So she buys it for him for his birthday. Now, who was that a gift for? Was it a gift for him or was it a gift for her that she gave in the guise right. of a gift? But we can do exactly. this all the time, too, and being there for others if we don't actually ask, how do you want me to be here for you? Actually, that's totally true. And, you know, it's it's what they call the love language, which is everybody, although we might be speaking English, but people have different love languages. And for some people, they need touch. And for some people, they need words. And for some people, they need to see action. And everybody has a, a different love language. And we can't assume that the way I need to hear compassion is the same way somebody else needs to hear compassion or receive compassion. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I remember at my mother's funeral, somebody came over and, and put their arm around me. And I actually was uncomfortable with that. I mean, you know, for a second, fine, but he did it for a while. And I felt that I needed my space right now and be in my mourning. And I wasn't ready and I wasn't, and he wasn't someone so very close to me. So it was, it was really kind of uh, um, intruding for me. And I, I, I didn't hold, I, I don't hold anything against him. You know, he was doing the best he can and he was, being very sweet and wanted, but it's a perfect example of something that I guess he would want, but you know, it was, it was, it was also very, it was at the funeral. It wasn't even at the Shiva. So for me, that was a little, a little, maybe even a a lot uh, too early to, 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 to get that. Hmm. But this is a challenge because someone else might have been standing there when no one put their arm around them and they just would feel so all alone. And all these people are standing here, but no one's really with me. And then that person comes, put their arms around them. and They feel, oh, see, I'm not alone. Everyone's different. That's the challenge. Right. But I think part of it is uh, a realistic estimation of how close you are to this person. Hmm. I'm not sure how many people would like someone who's not so close to them to give them a hug when there's other people here that are very close to them. I, I don't know. You know, I, these are difficult questions. These are difficult. So and that's my next. You can. And again, as I said, right. I hold nothing against this fellow at all, at all. I, I didn't get angry at him or nothing. I just was feeling uncomfortable and feeling, feeling intruded upon. So my next question, because this is something I hear so often, anyone going through a hard time, especially talking about Shiva, that I think so often those who are coming to try to be there for the other person are not sure what to do, not sure what to say. And that's why, again, someone saying clearly, I'd like to be here for you. Tell me how 
is so simple, clear, and helpful because so often, unfortunately, you hear people share stories of, you can't believe what this person said to me. And I often think these comments that just feel so hurtful, but are probably meant to be comforting are coming from a place of a person being uncomfortable, not being sure what to say. But I think it's so common. I'm sure so many of you listening have gone through experiences where someone during a difficult time has just said something that just made it worse, not better. So when you can't, you know, even when you're at a shiva house, when you're at a house of mourning, you really should allow the mourner to begin to speak uh, rather than start, you know, know, interrogating them. And, uh, you know, the best thing is to allow them to start and share whatever and whenever they feel like doing that, you know, it might be. You're uncomfortable with the silence, but they might not be uncomfortable with the silence. Mm. That's, you know what, I think, again, that's another piece when you say autopilot, I think might be when we're so many of us, when you're uncomfortable, you tend to just start talking and chatting. And sometimes that's the worst thing and the things that are insensitive will come out when you're trying to be sensitive. So remembering this is exactly what you're sharing at a house of Shiva, but just when anyone's going through a hard time is not just to go on autopilot and start chatting about, as you're saying, what, well, I went through this and I understand what it feels like. No, you don't. Um, I remember when my mother passed away, uh, but okay, but I'm going through this now. I don't want to hear about your experience. I need to be yes. in mind. Meaning silence, quiet, tone it down. But this conscious thinking, I think this is the point. It's very important is to be more mindful of not being on autopilot, which is oftentimes the wrong thing to do, but to be mindful of of take a pause. Silence is actually better than saying something that actually might be hurtful because with silence, you're still there. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Well, these are definitely a lot of practical. And ultimately, I think what it really does is you've simplified the process. I think sometimes in challenging times, we get so overwhelmed and scared and concerned, or we don't know what to do or how to respond. And Rabbi, what you've done is really simplified the process by just, again, I'm going to reiterate, it's it's sort of simple. Better to say less than to say more because you're not always sure what to say, but you're being there or something. And the best thing to say is ask the person, at the, you know, when you can, I want to be here for you. What would be helpful for you? And that is the best way to really be there for someone who is going through a challenging time. And again, I just love how it sometimes seems so complicated, but really, it can be that simple. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.